Amen, amen. Just again, keep everybody in prayer that's uh, out sick, and we do have quite a few people out sick today. This is a strange, strange thing going around, but take your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter, actually go to, go to Luke 4.16. I'll read a verse over there in 1 Thessalonians, then we'll get right back into Luke. Luke, Luke chapter 4. The title of this message is, What to Do When you, you, You're Not Sure. When you're unsure of some stuff in life. Luke chapter 4. I'm going uh, to read 1 Thessalonians, then we can sit down. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for letting us come to church. Thank you for a church to come to. Thank you for a Lord and a Savior uh, that we can worship today and that we can praise. And, and Lord, know that uh, one of these days we get to come home. Uh, Lord, whether it's uh, in the near future or at the rapture, whichever it is, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Lord, uh, one of these days uh, we're going to take our last breath and it's going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, and, and we'll be with you forever after that. Uh, Lord, uh, what a blessing. We got a future. To, we got a hope that uh, we know one day we're going to be out of here in a future to look forward to. Lord, I do pray now that you'd bless this message this morning, bless the, the hearers, and, and Lord, give me uh, the words that you'd have me to speak, and we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I like that. I was reading through my Bible, and I come across that verse that said, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. We just come out of Thanksgiving. It says, In everything, give thanks. You know, giving thanks is the perfect will of God for your life. Uh, if you want to know what the will of God is, you say, well, am I going to be this, the president of the United States? Well, I don't know if that's something you want to aspire to, but if that's what you think you need to do, go for it. Uh, I'm okay with that. It's uh, whatever the Lord tells you, but in, in everything, give thanks. You ought to be able to give thanks for rain. Uh, you ought to, your Bible getting, man, I remember my Bible getting thrown off a car several times and we found it. Uh, I, I was, uh, we pulled out of the driveway all about six or seven, eight months ago. And uh, I had my little, this thing up on the roof. And I had this up on the roof, and it disappeared. And, and uh, I said, man, it couldn't have gone that far. I left it on the roof. Beth, Beth drove off without looking around on her car. It's her fault. Uh, but, uh, but I stuck it. I stick everything in high places. And uh, so she drives off, and it goes away. Well, I found this in, in a couple doors down in the neighbor's yard, but my Bible was gone. And I started praying about that thing. I said, Lord, I can't believe it. I said, because this thing was sitting on the car. The Bible was on this. If they both fell off, they should have been in the same place. Well, a couple of weeks later, the lady next door called and said, hey, I got your Bible over here. I was hoping maybe she had been reading it by the, while she had it, but, uh, but you know, you ought to give thanks. I said, Lord, thank you, man. I said, I got enough Bibles in my house. I said, I like that Bible, but I really hate losing it. I like that Bible. But I got enough Bibles that I got another Bible that I, I said, thank you. I got the Word of God. I got it. And that thing shows up. Yeah, you, you thank God for all the stuff he gives you sick? You thank God for being sick? You ought to thank God that you're sick and not somebody else. You might be able to handle it better than they can. Uh, I'm glad you're sick and I'm not. <laughs> that was funny. You can laugh. Some of y'all just stiff, man. You just stiff. Quench not the spirit. You're quenching that thing. Come on. But over in Luke 4, 16, uh, Jesus comes in. And I'm telling you what, uh, the Lord amazes me in this Bible. The more I read about him over and over again, I get so amazed uh, at him because of his, his ability to to speak and, and to be the orator that he is. And he brought into this crowd, 416, it says, and he came to Nazareth uh, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophets, Isaiah. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel uh, to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the ministers and sat down. Father, again, thank you for your blessings. Bless this message, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is an amazing thing that, first of all, the Lord never had school. We go through school. We go through 12th grade. Some go through college and, and get education, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and everything else. The Lord never had that. Uh, so he goes in, and they hand him a Bible, and he opens it up. Uh, I, I got this little saying. I, I quoted it in uh, Sunday school, but uh, it was really out of this message. Life's book is of three volumes. Life is a book of three volumes, the past, the present, and the yet to be. The first is written and laid away. The second, we are writing day by day. The next and the last of the volume three is locked from sight. God holds the key. Aren't you glad you can't see the future? I mean, I'm glad that I don't know what I need to do in the next four or five days because I might run and be afraid to do it and hide somewhere. Uh, Saul did that. Saul was sitting there, and, and uh, I mean, Samuel come up and anointed him king, and he goes and hides in the stuff. Like, you're going to get away from God that way. I, I don't know why we think we're going to get away from God. We can't do it. Uh, it's bad enough to not know him and think that you are millennial. There is no God. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'd rather be that. Saul knew. Saul knew there was a God, and he knew he was anointed king, and he was just afraid to get in front of the crowd. So he goes, hides himself in the stuff. You know what the Lord does? He starts picking him by the house, and picking him by the crowd, and then picking him by the family, and then picking him right down, just like he did Achan. Achan stole the stuff and hid it in his tent, thought he got away with it. In the commotion, who's going to see me take a, a wedge of gold, some silver, and a goodly Babylonian garment? God, I told you don't do it. And now everybody else is going to suffer because you did what you weren't supposed to do. So Achan gets in trouble, and, and Saul, they find Saul. And, and here he is, the Lord sits there, and he opens this book, and they hand it to him. They probably marveled, number one, who is this? Well, they say it in a second uh, beyond this. But the first is written and laid away. God's written a book here and laid it away for us to read and, and for us to guide our life about. Then you're supposed to take this book and let it work through your life and change your life on a daily basis so that you can be not just a blessing to you, but to your family, but to those around you, that you can be a help to them in time of need. You're always supposed to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Not me always. Everybody always says, well, the preacher's job is, and what is yours, by the way? Do you realize you have a job too? And he says, forsake not the assembling together. Well, you know what you ought to do? You ought to be in a church somewhere. Now, I'm not saying to go to any church, but you ought to find a church somewhere you can go to in. And he goes right here, then he, in the end of that verse, in verse 20, says, And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. I can just see the Lord doing that. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Or, man, I don't know about you, but a preacher's dream, or even a speaker's dream, is the getting the attention of everybody. Now I hate to be in a place where you're speaking and there's only like nobody. And you look around the crowd and all these empty seats everywhere and, and it's like what you have to say doesn't really matter. But could you imagine the Lord sitting there in the synagogue? And it doesn't tell you how many people's in the synagogue. But he walks in there and they knew Jesus, that he was, he was born in that town. He was born in that area. Uh, they knew exactly who he was. 
And Jesus, when he got done, the way he read that thing and the power that came, just like in the garden over there when he said, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus. He said, I am he. And they all fell down backwards. The power that came out of those vocal cords of, that, of our Lord and Savior when he's walking this planet is unbelievable. I mean, he had, he just, everybody was like on the edge of their seats. Like you, I've heard preachers say that people would be on the seat and pews holding their pews like this. And, and just like, I, man, I would love to see that. I would love to be in a crowd and see that. Uh, where the power of God come down upon a church. We are so anemic anymore when it comes to the word of God and the power of God that if something like that happened, it scares us to death. We'd say, oh man, them guys must be holy rollers or Pentecostals or something. No, man, we're not Pentecostals. I think you ought to get a little loud every now. I think you ought to get somebody's attention. I think you ought to at least be able to get somebody to say, hey, what is he saying anyways? We have a, a man in the church. He had to stay home because his hearing aids were all messed up. He's getting new hearing aids. And he couldn't hear, so he's got, he can control the volume at home, which is a blessing. We got, he's online, so praise God he's listening to that way. Amen. But you know what? He, he, was, he was familiar. Jesus Christ was familiar enough with this book that when they handed it to him, he knew just the place to flip to get the message to the people. It wasn't about him. It was about them. You know what a preacher's job is? It isn't about me. It's about you. If I can't get you or if I can't get the word across in such a way that makes you want to get a little bit closer to him, then I failed in what I'm supposed to do. It isn't my job to sit here and be the leader of the crowd and all this. No, 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 no. My job is to help you get closer to Jesus Christ and you can have a walk. He knew he was familiar with the book. He knew what it took to get them what they needed. You know, you need something from the word of God today. You need something I can't give you. You need something only he can give you. And the Lord knew exactly what to give them. And he sits there and he goes down through. I got another little note. He knew what it took to get the crowd's attention. Boy, he got their attention. They're sitting there. I mean, he's got them. And they're all sitting like this. They're looking at him. That is the carpenter's son. If you go over to Luke, uh, I think it's in Luke is where I've got the next path. Matthew, Matthew 13, 54. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it. He says, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. And so much that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? I mean, they're trying to explain it away. Oh, we don't have to. He's just a carpenter's son. You know, you, you might be surprised, moms and dads. Well, God may call one of your sons or daughters into the ministry one day. Or they, they'll be a preacher or your daughter marry a, a pastor or marry a missionary and head off out into Dodge somewhere. And all of a sudden, they know more than you. I've seen pastors that, that their moms and dad was in their church. That must be a strange thing for a mom and dad to sit in a church where their son's a pastor. I got my mom. She's over at the nursing home right now. I've been trying to get her to come to church, uh, and hopefully one of these days she will. But she's Catholic. She's uh, staunch. She's not. She's like a, she doesn't know what she is anymore. She is really messed up. Y'all pray for her. But he says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Jose and, and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, people say, well, Mary was immaculately conceived. And Mary, Mary was a virgin when she had Jesus and never had any other kids. Well, it says right there, she had a whole bunch. Uh, you know, you sit there and take that to the, you got to be willing to take the Bible for what it says. Right. Somewhere you have to have a standard that this thing right here is my standard, and I'm going to change my life, not like the church, like this book. Amen. You know what the world wants to do? They want to change the book to match what they're doing. Amen. All right, let's leave the book alone, man. I just, it's hard enough at, there's too many, way too many things to do. I don't even want to do none of them. I just want to do what the book says. He says, and they were offended in him. 
You know what they're getting here? They're getting offended. Jesus gave them the word of God by God. He, he was God manifest in flesh. And they're starting to get offended in him back there. And when he began to say in this day, the scriptures is fulfilled in your ears back in, in Luke. And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is, this not, is not this Joseph's son? Verse 22. And he said unto them, and this is what he said. You want a message? This is a message and a half. Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. There's going to come a day he's going to be up on a cross. There's going to save thyself. Get thyself down on the cross. He already told them what they're going to say. Whatsoever, whatsoever we have heard, done, in Capernaum, do also here in, this, in that country. And he said unto them, or he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were, uh, were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, when a great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were healed in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophets, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. What things are they mad about? He's mad because he brings up two Gentiles, and he starts talking about those two Gentiles, and he said, these two Gentiles got it, and you didn't. You know what the strangest thing in the whole wide world is? Is we sit in a church and the word of God is preached and it's preached for me to get something. I like coming to church to get something. I, 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 I tell everybody one time I stopped at it and I'll never forget that time down in uh, uh, South Carolina. Me and Beth stopped on the way back to Norfolk and I can still remember the message that guy preached. I stopped on a Wednesday night to get something. It was well worth me to get what I got. It was worth that trip to stop, and I said, Beth, we got to stop, and we stopped, and we got off, and here's this big old Southern Baptist church sitting there on Wednesday night, closed down. I'm like, oh, man, right or left, right or left, right or left, right or left, left. So we go left, go around the corner a couple of miles, and boom, here's this big old uh, Fundamental Baptist church, and we go in there, and me and Beth sitting up in the balcony, right? And I still remember sitting in the balcony. That guy's down there preaching, I can take you to the passages the man preached, and that was 30-something years ago. Man, that's... 32 years ago. You say, what is that? I went in to get something, and guess what the Lord gave me? Something? He said, this is going to be for you the rest of your life. And I said, what a thing, man. I, I, I was talking to Brother Bowman. He's over here he's taking a Bible course. And he goes, Mike, I was in church. I, was in, I, I think he was at work. And uh, he said he had his headphones in. Does he have his headphones in at work? He was somewhere with his headphones. And he said, all of a sudden, somebody said something, and I got it, and I started hooping and hollering. Were you there when he did that? Okay. I was sitting there going, Brother Bowman, hooping and hollering. He goes, I had to catch myself where I was that bad. I had to, and he calmed himself down. It was funny. You know what it was? The word of God all of a sudden started getting to him. And he goes, man, you know, that's what I like it over there where uh, uh, Moses is up there. And, and they come up and say, Moses, they're prophesying in the camp. And he said, I would to God they all did. You know what God wants? He'd like to see all of us out there telling everybody about Jesus Christ. With an excitement in your soul, the, the other person says, what have they got that I don't? You know, you got to question something. It says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. What makes you excited? I'll tell you what, Jesus makes me excited. 
They, they, are, they are all still there, that there are some Gentiles that will do the will of God, even if they weren't Jews. You know that Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. He came for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came for the world. Everybody, not just one. Uh, I like to talk, he talked about two people. He talked about the woman and, uh, of Sarepta, of Zidon. You know that lady was, if you go back, let's go back to Kings. Take your Bibles, let's go back to Kings. We'll, we'll hang out in Kings for just a little bit and then we'll be done. First Kings, I think it's First Kings uh, 16. First, First Kings 17. Is it 16? 16. I need to get over there. I'm in Samuel. Samuel don't work good. It's amazing. Your Bible's just different everywhere. Yeah, 16. If you go back to 16, verse, uh, verse, 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 I have it, I had it here. Uh, 31. This woman in Sarepta, which is in verse chapter 17, we're going to get back there, but in, in, uh, in verse, did I say 21, 16, 17, 31. Uh, it says right here, it says, and it came to pass as if it had uh, been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. Talking about Ahab, the son of Nebat, he took uh, to wife Jezebel, the daughter of uh, Ethbel, king of the Zidonians. This woman of Sarepta is living in Zidon. And she's living in the same town where Jezebel and her father was. And Jezebel is one of the wickedest women in your Bible. And Jezebel married Ahab, which is the, become the king of Israel. And, and this woman right here that Elijah is called to lives in that town. You know what? The one thing I know about that lady is she can still serve God where she's at. You know what being thankful is? Is it doesn't matter what the circumstances is. It's the God you have. I got a Lord, man, today that I can be thankful as anything. Amen. I mean, I got everything going. I got, I got heaven, and I got heaven at the end of this thing. Uh, she kept fellowship with the Lord in the midst of a pagan. They were worshiping Baal. How bad is our country? I think our country's bad. Yeah. I, I love our country. I've been all over this world. I've been in all kinds of countries. If you ask me if I, I can have my choice of being anywhere on this planet, it's going to be the United States. Uh, if you ask me in the United States, the perfect place I want to be, it is Dayton, Ohio. Uh, you say, we're at in Dayton, Ohio. It's Anchor Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. That's where I want to be. You say, why is that? That's where God's got me, and I like my country. I was in the Navy for 14 years. I love it. You want to, now, wait a second. Let me rephrase that. If World War III broke out and they told me I had to go back to the Navy, I'm sorry, I would have to go. I love all you guys, but, you know, that's my duty. My duty. As long as it's a ship. If it's not a ship, I'll just say in Dayton. I'll tell them I'll serve them here. But I'm telling you, you can do that now. Everything's remote control anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can, you can launch airplanes off of aircraft carriers out there from here. But she's in a pagan city where Jezebel was, and she's still serving God. You know what this woman did? He, he lists these two people to a group of people in a synagogue in his hometown and says, here's what your problem is. This lady lived her life with absolutely nothing. And no matter how bad it got, she just kept serving me. You know what? Uh, go over to chapter 17 there in 1 Kings. He tells Elijah, he says, verse 9, he says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a woman, a widow woman, uh, there to, to, to sustain thee. Somewhere down the road, he had come to this lady, or he had approached this lady, or the Lord has done something 
and got word to this lady somehow through an angel or whatever that there's going to be some hairy old guy come to her and he's going to come at a time when he needs some food and take care of him. He's my guy. She says, okay. Her barrels are probably all full at a meal at that time. She's probably got all the oil in the whole wide world. She's probably feeding the neighborhood, doing everything else. She's taking care of everybody. It just so happens at the time the Lord sends him to her, he just brings a drought over in Israel, and over here it's affecting them too, and they don't have any food, and she's down to the bottom of the barrel with just a little meal, a little oil, and she's out in the field getting a couple sticks, and here comes that hairy old man. And he says, how you doing? And she goes, pretty good. And she looks at him. She probably looks at him and says, I'll bet you you're him. And he goes, what you doing? She goes, well, I'm just gathering a couple sticks. I got a handful of meal and a little oil. I'm going to go make a couple cakes. Me and my son's going to eat them, and then we're going to die. Now, isn't that an outlook to have on like today? You know what that lady was? She was thankful that she still could have the ability to go out and catch a couple sticks. And she still had a little meal in the bottom of the barrel. And she still had some oil. And she's still not complaining. And Elijah says, hey, that's a great plan you have there. Let me tweak it. Go make me a little cake first and bring it back to me in a cruise of water. And then you can have what's left. And the lady does it. And he comes back and they say that that barrel never ends. That for the rest of the time, that barrel never runs out of mill and the cruise of oil never fails. That woman got it. She is doing what she was supposed to do in the right place. She is where she was supposed to be, and that was Zidon. You know what, you know what uh, thank, thankfulness? She could have left like Naomi left, and it cost Naomi her sons and her husband, but this lady didn't. She stayed right where she was supposed to stay. Uh, she, she was doing what she should be doing, taking care of her family. You know, one of the, uh, the key things that I think a lot of people have forgotten is that our job, a uh, young man in here, you want a wife? Along with a wife, if she's fertile at all, you're going to have kids. You know what your job is? Is to take care of your family. Amen. Wives, you know what your job is? Love your husband. That's what your job is. Now, if the Lord adds to that, he can add to that. And, and all the other people in the world. Sometimes, like Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was blind six weeks after she was born. Uh, and she lived her whole life writing 9,000 songs. I, I have never heard anywhere where she's ever complained about being blind. Not one time in her entire life did I ever find anywhere where she complained. I imagine she complained from time to time that she couldn't figure out a tune to go with one of her songs. Or she couldn't figure out the words. How could she just give the words to glorify her Lord just a little bit better in this song? Fanny Crosby's one of the ladies I want to meet the first time I get to heaven. But she's not the one we're talking about today. She was, uh, she was doing what she was supposed to do in the right place. She was doing it the right way. This lady was unnoticed till right now. Nobody even knew she existed. Yet the Lord knows she's exist she exists. He's using this lady as an example before a crowd of people. And he goes on and he says a couple of other things. Uh, she's, un she's unashamed. She's not ashamed of what she's doing. I've seen people say, well, I'm ashamed of what I got. You should never be ashamed of anything you got. If whatever you got, the Lord's give you that. That's, be thankful for it. Uh, he could take that away. I don't know about you, but he could. Uh, she's unfettered. She has nothing that, love not, I got, I, I had the version here somewhere, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Sometimes we get tied down with all this junk in the world and we never see the blessing that's getting ready to come right before. We see the trouble. I only got two sticks. I need to go out and get a couple sticks. I only got a little meal, man. I got some oil. It's, going, it's not even going to last me until the day is over. And at the end of the day, 
tomorrow we're going to die, or the next day or the next day. We're not going to have any food. And there's no other food in the city. And there's no other place to get any food. You never hear her saying that. She's unfettered by any of the concerns. We concern ourselves with things that go on in this world that we should never even concern ourselves with. You know what you need to concern yourself? Am I going to heaven when I die or am I not? And if I know I'm going to heaven when I die, then the next thing is, am I serving Jesus Christ or am I not? And what can I do today to please him a little more than what I pleased him yesterday? It says, uh, boast not of tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow's got. You know what I know? I know what today's got. I've got, it's 11.57. i got a few more minutes and i got to be done with the morning message. And, and some other things going to happen this afternoon. And we'll come back tonight, hopefully, and we'll preach again. And then you say, what is that? That's, that's Sunday. That's it. I don't, I don't care about Monday. Monday will be here tomorrow and we'll be okay. You know what she, this lady did? She was in the right place. He's using her as an example. She was doing it the right way. She didn't let her circumstances get in the way. She didn't let anything bother her. She knew she saw God's hand. She saw, got to see the hand of God. First Kings 16, 17 in the barrel. Never wasted. Not only that, this lady had a son that died. And she went up to him. She said, she told Elijah, she said, are you bringing my son before me? He said, give me the boy. He takes the boy up, brings him, he gets him, brings him back to life and brings him back down and gives it to her. You know what this lady got to do? She got to see, number one, a barrel of meal never fail. She got to see a cruise of oil never fail. And then she got to see her son that died come back to life. That's just in her little lifetime. And the Lord says, what's wrong? He's talking to the synagogue. He says, what's wrong with you people? They're starting to get mad. They're starting to get angry at him because he's bringing up some Gentiles. He's bringing up others. I like joy. Joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus, others, yourself. If you, you want joy, you, you put Jesus first. Then you start trying to get others in there somewhere else and helping them and yourself last. Are you saved? Then you're on your way to heaven. How about everybody else? Beth went over to the, the nursing home yesterday, and she came home. She made me feel bad. She really did make me feel bad. There's a lady over there, Lou, 95 years old, 84, 94. And uh, Lou has absolutely nothing. She has no silverware in her room. Uh, she had a plastic force and an old dirty bowl. And Beth took a couple of pies over there and was going to go. She goes up. I mean, she comes home. I, felt, I thought she was going to start crying. She's just feeling guilty as anything. Because in the mail yesterday, she just got these two boxes of silverware, uh, 48 pieces of silverware, enough to, for 16 place settings. She's got more silverware than she can shake a stick at. And here's this old lady, uh, Lou, at the nursing home with nothing. Just as happy as she can be. Wishing. She wishing she could come to somebody's house and just sit there. I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, you can move over to my house. She goes, boy, I wish I could do that. She goes, I wish somebody would want me to bring me home. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, here we are. Beth, I'm, I was thinking, we need to have a nursing home ministry. And I said, we got the nursing home. We've already been in there. All of our donuts that we got back here that we get too many, Beth takes them by the boxes over to the donut, over to the nursing home. They eat, them old people, all of them are going to have high sugar and all kinds of diseases. But they're happy, man. I heard a doctor one time said, how old are you? Do whatever you want. I mean, they take, she goes up and down the hallways with these donuts, and these people come in, old guys come out with their wives. There's an old guy, a couple over there. The woman is in a wheelchair. She's paraplegic, I think. Can't get out. But he moved in with her over there, and he takes care of her in the nursing home. And you know what? You, and they have nothing. And you know what? Nothing hinders them. Just as happy as they could be all day long over there. What a blessing, man. I like that. And I, I told Beth, I said, man, I said, she walked away from me last night. I said, we are going to have to start a nursing home ministry over there and go over and start preaching at them. Uh, and it's just the coolest thing in the world. They love us to come in there. 
They told us that, the, they told me that she is about the only one that comes in there on a consistent basis that they see. Of all the, all the people that have relatives there, she's the only one in there. And I'm thinking, Lord, here we have everything. We got two legs, two arms, two feet. We can get around. I can drive and do everything else. And, and we got so much stuff to do that we can't take our time for a fellow man. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with that. Uh, she didn't let her serve. She saw the hand of God, and, and she did something with it. She served under one of the greatest preachers in your Bible. That's Elijah. I mean, she got to spend the next three and a half years with that guy and learn all kinds of stuff. Then, then he talks about Naaman. Naaman's a different guy. Naaman's a different bird. He's, a, he's a, like a general in an army, and he's out there, uh, but he's a leper, and he's got a problem. And he's still doing his job. You never hear Naaman complain about being a leper. He's just a leper. The king still loves him. The king still feels a lot about him, cares about him. He's his, he's his friend. He's his servant. And, and he hears that he's got this problem, and he doesn't know what to do, and, and Naaman's got a problem. But you know, God's got a solution. All you got to do is get the two together, and there's a little maid in the middle there. And she comes up to Naaman. She got taken captive. And now she's on one of the runs that they made, and now she's over there in, in Naaman's house and talking to the, uh, Naaman's wife, I think. And, and Naaman's wife says, or, or the lady she's talking to, she said, oh, if, only if we can get Naaman to the prophet in Samaria, Elijah. If we can just get him to him, he can heal him from his, and Naaman goes. He didn't waste no time. He said, hey, man, I've heard a lot of stuff about them people over there. They can do it. They can, somebody there can do it. Sounds like they can. God's all over them over there. Let's go. They go, and, and they see the king, and the king's like, you're going to try to trick me here, and you're trying to kill. No, no, no. Elijah sends a note says, send him to me. And he sends him over there. Naaman had another problem, not just that he was a leopard. He was a proud man. You know what hinders a lot of people from serving God? Pride. You know what hinders a lot of people from getting saved? Pride. Only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride. So if two people are in a conflict, there's a pride problem going on automatically. There's no, there's no, other, there's no other thing that can do that. Pride. Now, the outcome of being proudful is, is another thing. But pride is the basic, the root of that problem. If that problem is between you and God, does God have a pride problem? No, he does not. That eliminates everything but me, or in this case, you. <laughs> so once you get to that place, it's like, okay, I surrender. Uncle, you know, when I was a kid, man, they'd hold your arm behind your back and you'd make you cry, uncle. I don't know why, uncle. I don't know what uncle did. But pride, Naaman, but you know what? I'll go, go to uh, 2 Kings 5, 3. 5, 13, 2 Kings 5, 13. You know why you go to church? I'll tell you why you go to church. I'll show you right here why you go to church. Sometimes you get preached at and you get your toes stopped, stepped on. And, and you don't really like getting your toes stepped on. I never like getting my toes stepped on. But boy, it's a good thing to have some friends. And Naaman, verse 17. No, 13, 13. And his servants. See that little S? It wasn't just one. It was all of them. He had at least two. They were probably all saying, Naaman, now brother, we're with you all the time. And we'll go out and we'll die for you. But you have got a problem. What's my problem? Well, this is your problem. You got leprosy. And this little girl told you to come here. And we came all this way to see this guy. And you came, now you're standing in front of this guy. And he tells you what to do. And you just don't want to do what he tells you to do. You want to do it your way, not his. And he goes, I know, man. He goes, but man, like we got a bigger army than he's got. But he's got a bigger God than you've got. 
and he's telling you what to do. And it isn't just you got to go do it one time. You got to do it seven. And I know, but man, that's like, that means we got to submit ourselves to, to God and to him. Why can't I go to far, far? Far, far away. I guess it's far, far away. That's why they called it far, far. I have no idea. It's another river somewhere up there. It's cleaner. None of them rivers were clean back then. <laughs> they dumped everything in those rivers. But Naaman's friends convinced him. Boy, it's a good thing to have friends. Amen. You got any friends that will tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it? Those, those friends changed his life. Naaman, Naaman got done. Uh, he gets his, his foolish pride under control. He goes down. And I can just see, man, I'm telling you what, that, that's, I am about as impatient as you can get. My wife will tell you that. But to come up to the river and go one, and nothing happened. I mean, not even little leprosy go off. And you got to do that again. And, and all your men are watching, all your friends. And they're like, I hope this really does work, because if not, man, he's going to be really mad at us. And he, gets, and he does that seven times, six times. I mean, after six times, I'd be ready to quit again. But Lord is using these lessons to a, a group of people that wouldn't even do that. And he goes, you know why I went to these people? Because they would listen. That seventh time Naaman went down, and when he, his head come up out of that thing, I mean, he's underneath the water, and all of a sudden his head pops up out of there, and they, there's no lep. If he had no hair on his head, he now has hair back on his head, if, he, if that's, he had it. I don't know if he had it or he didn't. But whatever, I mean, as he was coming up out of the water, there was no leprosy on him coming up out of that thing. And when he walked out of that thing, he was, he was just as, you're talking about an excited man. And all of a sudden, people say, oh, you need to calm down now. You just need, I hear people in church, you need to calm down now. You just don't need to be that excited about Jesus. If you could just, hey, man, the guy was a leper. He was dying. His fingers were falling off. His nose and ears were probably a great general, but I mean, he wasn't doing very good in life for the rest of the time. Now, all of a sudden, and you don't expect him to get happy. Boy, he's tickled pink here. He goes back and sees Elijah, Elijah. And he, he tries to give him everything in the world. You know what the first thing a Christian does usually when they get saved? Boy, they'll give God everything. And then for some reason down the road a ways, man, we start stiffening up and thinking, oh, I got to take care of just me and 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 me. I think a family is a great thing to have. I had five, four daughters and, and a son, and now I've got a daughter-in-law and four son-in-laws and and Beth had them all over. We had 38, 37, 38 people over the house uh, Thursday. And it was pretty packed out. And, uh, man, I, got, I started eating that turkey, and I'm, I'm ready to pass out. So they're all down there. So I go up and go to bed. I said, forget it, man. Let them do whatever they want. And I wake up about an hour later. They're still down there. Blah, 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 blah. And I go down there and join them. They probably never even knew I left. But you know what? It's, it's a blessing when you have all this stuff. And sometimes when the more you have, the more you have to give. And the more you have to give, the better it feels. Because it gets you out of yourself. I, I would never want to be alone. If i got to be alone, I want to be around some other people, man. I wanna, that's why I like the Navy. Because if you're on a ship with a 1,000 men, I mean, you may not like them all, but at least you're around some people. And you're not by yourself. I can't, I, people that get off to themselves and get in front, that, that stupid idiot tube, man. I mean, the, the boob tube, the, the one-eyed monster. Man, there's all kinds of, the television, they call them all kinds of names. But people sit there in their house when it's dark. And this thing is just glowing. 
And, and that's all they have. Or you get on a PC and you're sitting there on, on a computer doing this all day long. Those are the worst things this country ever came up. I'm an electronic technician, man. I can tear them things apart and put them back together. I know exactly how they work. That's the worst thing that ever happened to this country. When they came out with TV, video, the radio, man, people used to sit in front of the radio and they could listen to, you know, uh, the Green Hornet or whatever. And I mean, it was like the, the, the words and the vocabulary and everything. You actually had to learn some stuff to even listen to them. And then you had to understand some school. You had to read and write and all that other stuff. And then the people on the radio had to say the right thing in a half an hour, or however long it was. And they kept your attention. Now, if you don't have all of this stuff going on and all the video and all the graphics and all this other stuff, uh, you go back and try to watch. You ever watch a silent film from like the 1910 or whatever? And then the words come up on the screen. And then you're trying to read it. And, and the kids walk away, man. They can't handle it. Black and white. Man, when I was a kid, we had three TVs. One, one had sound and the other one had, I don't know what the third one was for. Oh, one had VHF, one had UHF. So, because it had the knob where you had to go to VHF here and you had, and there's another knob. Well, if this didn't work, you had this. So we had three TVs to watch TV. You know, I, that's why I became an electronic technician. I had to operate it. That, that setup, man, if the house was this tall. My dad never would fix it. He'd just go find somebody else's broken TV and bring it home and we'd use whatever part worked. Brother, I'm telling you what, you know, it's, it, we, we have lost... We have lost the magnitude and the grandeur of God, what he can do. I can, you know what he did? He used Naaman and he used this woman as examples in front of him. He said, guys, you had me. I got you out of Egypt. I was the one that was there with Adam and Eve. I was the one who brought Noah across that flood. I was the one who told him to build that ark. I was the one who told Moses to go down and get you people out. I was the one who split the Red Sea. I was the one who hit the rock. I was the, what happened to you? You know what they do? They get mad at him. They just get mad. And they get madder and madder. At the end of that thing, in verse 28, back over in Luke. Go to Luke and I'm done. A couple things say and I'm done. Brother, we need to, you lose it. You know what the will of God is? That you be thankful. And what happens to us is we lose that thankfulness. Luke chapter 4. We lose that thankfulness. We're coming up on a holiday. Boy, you're talking about something that'll make you lose your thankfulness more than anything else is, is try to buy something and take it back and buy it and take it back. And I had a, I had a guy that worked out at LexisNexis, uh, and uh, he, he hated everything. He, he, he hated Christians. He just hated them. And uh, I was sitting there talking. They told me to leave him alone, leave him alone, leave him alone. And finally, me and him became really good friends because I was just as wacky as he was this way. I was that way. And pretty soon we got right in the middle and come find out he was saved. And I asked him, uh, and uh, I even asked Steve, I said, why, why are you so mad all the time about Christians? He goes, I used to work at Walmart. And I said, oh, okay, so what's that mean? He goes, he goes, they would come and buy at Christmas time all these presents, and then they'd bring them all back. He goes, where's God in any of that? <laughs> I'm like, man, I said, you're a pretty shallow Christian, man, if you're letting that bother you. Uh, but, you know, he, what his, his thought of what a Christian was, was if this is what the world is, it makes no sense. He was a very logical type of a person. And when he finally started realizing what it was, he got his joy back. And I said, brother, you can't let any of this stuff steal that thing. What this world is out to do is steal that little bit of joy you have inside. But you know what the people around you need to see is that joy. They need to see that happiness inside of you. And the only way you can ever do that is keep Jesus dead center, and he's talking to the synagogue, he's talking to people. He said, a prophet is not without honor except his own town, own city. You know why? 
Because they're looking at him like, you're, the, you're Joseph's son. You're the carpenter's son. You can't be anybody better than us. I've seen people, I was sitting at ordinations, and you see some people, Brother Joe had did a great job at his ordination. A great job, great job. And people say, oh, well, this, no, no, he, he's already been through the, the mill. He's done, that means he's done all kinds of stuff in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, not just got to preach. He got his hide chewed off a whole bunch of times. He had to learn lots of lessons. And a lot of people think, oh, all you have to do, I had to too. And so do you if you're ever going to get anywhere with Jesus Christ. you got to endure. I like when Brother Dave said it a little while ago back there. He said, come back when you're 65 and let's hear you talk. Being a Christian is not for a sissy. I'm going to tell you that right now. This thing, when I first got saved, everybody else thought, oh, Christians are these little, <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Uh, you get in the Old Testament, and David, there ain't no Christians in the Old Testament, but I tell you what, David and them guys went around. And, uh, I mean, you carry a sword all day long and just go whack people up all over the place. I mean, that, that takes a man to do that. Uh, I, get, I mean, to even run. How about running? Them runners, man, they get out to run. Shh, shh, shh. Three days later, they're still out there running. And I'm like, that's a man. That's a well-tuned machinery, piece of machinery. And all day at the synagogue when they heard... These things were filled with wrath. You know, three things are going to happen to you. You're going to get fed by the Word of God. You're going to get cleansed by the Word of God. Or you're going to rebel against the Word of God. 1980, I sit on the back porch, and I found a Bible. Somewhere, I wasn't on the back porch the whole time, but somewhere in that process of that time, and I don't even know how long it was anymore, I sit there, that's 43, 42 years ago. I mean, I just sit there. I remember reading the Bible, sitting in a chair, reading the Bible, driving across town, talking to my uncle about it, reading the Bible, looking for somebody to tell me what this means. I first had to read it, and then I had the question. The Holy Spirit brought the question out. And then I'd go find somebody who could answer my question. Thank God for my uncle, Southern Baptist preacher, that he could answer some questions for me when I needed them. And one night the Lord woke me up and said, hey, it's time for you to go get saved. <laughs> and I go on the back porch. I don't even know what to say. I'm just sitting there going, Lord, it's me. It's me. I'm in need. I'm the lost one. I'm like Naaman. I'm like the one who needs to go down. Tell me what I got to do. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus. I said, ah, that's too simple. What do you mean believe? That's too simple. Don't cost me. Don't I have to do something? Don't I have to pay all this stuff and do this and tithe and, and, and build a church and do all this? Don't I have to do all this? No. That's all already been done. All you got to do is believe it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If there's one thing I can tell the Lord is I've never rebelled against the Word of God. I don't necessarily like what it says all the time, but I have no problem with it. <laughs> I know that that's the answer. This right here, I know that it's a point on a man wants to die. I know that. I know that. And one of these days, my day is going to come. And I know that this right here is the only tech manual on the face of the planet with the answer. They, they still can't tell you. We was, me and Beth was watching a documentary, and I'm done. We, uh, they were looking out in space, and the guy was sitting there, and they're looking for a planet to wobble. 50, he said, if you could travel at the speed of light, the closest planet to us would take you 54 years to get to. At the speed of light, if that's even true. And what they're doing is they're looking for the planet to wobble, and they know that there's a, uh, something going around the planet they can't see the, the, the planet going around the sun. They can just see the star wobbling. And they go, you know why we do that? I'm like, yeah, please tell me why you do that. Why do you even look for that star that's 54 years away that you would have to be traveling at the speed of light? And we won't be doing that. If we tarried for another 10,000 years, we wouldn't be doing that. You're wasting money. Why are you doing that? So we can find it. 
but you can't see the planet. You don't even know what kind of planet it is. So you're going to drive 54 years at the speed of light to find out you can't live there? Isn't that kind of stupid? And people look at you like, oh, no. They, I read, I'm throwing uh, Winnipeg or whatever it is at Encyclopedia. They said that Christianity, if you're intelligent design, that is uh, pseudo-scientific. So I said, wait a minute, what is exactly pseudo? Pseudo means that you're a, you're a wacko nut, basically. I'm like, you've got to be crazy. I said, you're telling me that the evolutionist side is okay? They have zero evidence about anything. And they said 50, 50, 60, 70, 80 billion trillion years ago this happened. And they, no proof, no evidence. And they're okay. But if you believe that somebody actually designed something around an atom that is stable, and you actually list off 138 elements or however many elements there is now, uh, I don't even know how many elements there are. They've probably got a few more out there. And, and you can sit there and tell me all this periodic table and all the different, and you can see the, the, the design that went into just a periodic table, and you're telling me that it wasn't designed, that it just happened in nature? How many trillions of years did it take to make that atom? And then how many other trillions of years did it take to make that atom? And then how many trillions and trillions of years did it take to get all of them together to make me? I believe in, in intelligent design. I'm sorry, I believe that God made it. I believe that he did it and he has control. And you know what I know? That Jesus was sitting there talking one day and he says, the problem with you guys is you're unthankful. That was really the problem with those people. God gave them everything. The Jewish nation got everything. And God took it away from him. You know what he's doing to the churches right now? He's taking it away from us. Why? Because he's given us everything. You have a Bible in your hand today. That's a King James 1611. I think it's King James 1611 of the Word of God. I can, I can show you where it is, but it goes beyond that. I believe it. Uh, I don't believe in NIV, RSV. If I offend you, I'm sorry. I don't believe in NIV, RSV, ASV, uh, New Jerusalem Bible. None of them, none of them will hold a candle to this. Amen. There's changes. There's differences. You have to look and see them. And once you start looking at them, if you're honest, if you're honest, you will say, wait a second. This thing is right, Amen. and the other ones are wrong. And you say, you know what the Lord is? He was in front of a group of people that wasn't honest. Let me ask you a question. Are you honest today? Are you still thankful after Thanksgiving? Amen. Will you be thankful after Christmas? Will you be thankful until next Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know what the key to the smile on your face is being thankful. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of glory to God. I'm the, I'm the biggest sinner in here probably. I'm just sitting there going, Lord, I'm sure thankful that you're still gracious and you're still merciful and kind. If you're in here today and you're lost, you know what you need to do is get saved. That's the, that's the very next thing you need to do. Forget about everything else. Quit trying to be good. Guess what? After you're saved, you still won't be good. Uh, you'll never be good. There's none good, no, not one. And he said that in Romans. There, we're just a mess. We're just a total mess. But boy, we got somebody who isn't. And he stood in front of those people and got their attention, and they were sitting there looking and they had him in front of them, and one day they put him on a cross, and they buried him in a tomb, and they thought they were going to be done with it, and three days later, they found out they weren't. And he came up, and 2,000 years later, we now have the opportunity to get on this thing. Are you in? Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, I don't know the hearts of everybody in the room. I know that uh, you preaching to these people in, in Jerusalem, in, in your hometown, and they didn't get it. And you brought this little lady up, and you brought Naaman up. And Lord, help us to have uh, the heart and the desire that Naaman and the woman had, Lord, just to, 
uh, get closer to you. And they did. Both of them did, Lord. And, and at the beginning, it was hard for them to do what they did, but they did it. And, Lord, we got stories in our Bible where the excitement and the joy came back. Lord, help us never uh, be th- unthankful for anything that you've done for us, Lord. I still look back for 43 years and 42 and a half, whatever it is, Lord. I look back and, and I see the, all the things that you did to get me here today, and I'm really thankful. And thank you for just a church to come to on a Sunday morning and people, Lord, that we can still be around and, and minister to and, and get ministered to. Thank you for those people over at the nursing home, Lord. I do pray that you'd help us. Uh, if uh, what you'd have us to do is start a ministry there, Lord, that we could be a blessing to them. Lord, a lot of them are up in their age, uh, old age, and they just can't move around like they used to. And, and, Lord, help us to be there with them and just be a blessing to them. And, Lord, anything else that you'd have us to do, put in front of us. Father, again, just thank you for this morning. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, today would be a great day uh, to come to know you. But for the rest of us, Lord, I just pray that you would help us always to get a little bit closer to you and, and never forget that joy that's in our hearts that you gave us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.